Hello, folks. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you chose to be with us. This is the On Being Christian Podcast. My name is Nolan Ruby. I'll be your host. I'm also the pastor of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City, Utah. You can get a hold of us at wasatchfrontbaptistchurch.com. That's W-A-S-A-T-C-H, frontbaptistchurch.com. There's a drop-down menu that you can um, find our email and my direct line into the office here if you have questions or concerns. Um, It's a beautiful day here in Utah. If you're local, we sure would love to see you. Um, Right here on the corner of 140 West, 2100 South. Uh, we just got done with services. It's actually Sunday here, and I'm getting ready to do this between the morning and evening services. But um, <clears throat> I was facing some things this week, and w- the idea of accusations came up, and validity of accusations, and our political our political spectrum. We're in the middle of some of these debates, these presidential debates, which have more turned into just a collection of accusations from one person. To the next, which then they televise and record and force us to be listened or force us to listen to them. And it's kind of the news cycle for however long. But it made me, it caused me to go into the Word of God and try to find some, some things concerning accusations. And one of the things that I, that I uncovered, one of the things that I found that I'd like to share with you um, today is this idea <clears throat> about the fact or the notion that you and I face accusations that are new to people as if people have not faced accusations or accusations about things in the past. One of the most um, accused people in the Bible is, of course, Jesus Christ. He was accused of all sorts of things and uh, being the only begotten Son of God, perfect by right of his birth and by the sustainment of the choices of his life. He, of course, was was not uh, guilty of any of the accusations that were brought against him. But nevertheless, that did not stop the accusations. And so what I'd like to share with you this morning is entitled Foolish, Foolish, excuse me, Foolish Accusations from Foolish Accusers. We'll be in John for a good part of this today. And uh, we'll start in John chapter 10. I'm just going to read 20 verses. It's, it's chapter 10, verse 22 down through verse 42. I'll read that context and then kind of get into what I want to share with you. If I start in verse 22, it says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these or those good works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God." 
This is something that Jesus faced near continually during his earthly ministry was him saying exactly who he was and the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes rejecting the possibility of who he said he was, that being the very God of heaven, Emmanuel, God with us, the only begotten Son of God. If I pick it up in verse 34, the Bible says, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? If ye called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, then believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but they he escaped out of their hand and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode, and many resorted unto him and said, John did not uh, did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him there. And so you have this um, a very brief narrative of Jesus Christ facing something that he faced many, many, many times in his earthly ministry, and that's very simple. He said exactly who he was, and they denied who he was, and in this instance, they sought to kill him. Um, it says, um, verse 31 of John 10, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Um, and then verse 39, therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And so this was something that Jesus Christ was very familiar with. These foolish accusations against Jesus Christ from very foolish accusers. The context of the whole conversation here we are about to look at comes from an interaction Christ is very, very familiar with. As I stated, the context of men doubting him. And you see that specifically in uh, verse 22 through verse 24, it says, And it was at Jerusalem at the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be Christ, tell us plainly. And so you see right there, these verses show us the issue. And it's not that Christ is not saying something. It's that men are not listening to what Christ is saying. This context, as we as we just get into this, just kind of by way of introduction, you see them, they, they approach Jesus and they say to him, um, how long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. The surprising thing about that is the thought that at this point in Jesus's ministry, like he has said something different. And I'm going to show you through the Gospel of John what they're asking for in John chapter 10 has in fact been something that Jesus Christ has not only not hid from, but he's made it very, very, very plain. They're saying, how long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be Christ, tell us plainly. He says, just tell us. If you're Christ tell us, as if that's not what he's been saying for the entire time he's been preaching. And I'll show you this. If I go back to John chapter 1 and verse 51, the Bible says, And he saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so that was just one reference where he very clearly said, this is who I am, and this is what will happen because of who I am. If I jump to chapter 2, in verse 16, the Bible says, And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Talking about the house of God, he referred to it as my father's house, which is very plainly him, telling them exactly who he is. He's not leaving anything up for debate. If I jump to chapter 3, and I start in verse 12, here's a story where he says exactly who he is, uh, 12 through 21. The Bible says, If I told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And that's what he's referencing concerning his um, crucifixion. That whosoever believeth in him, verse 15 says, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and that men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And so here's just a very brief section of Scripture in John chapter 3, where he says very clearly that God is his Father and that he is come to save the world from sin and to reinstitute the relationship that God wants to have with men um, <clears throat> through his own death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And so we've only got into three chapters here of John, and so far every single chapter Jesus has made it very clear exactly who he is. If we go to chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. And then down in verse 34, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. And so both of these verses from John chapter 4 make it very clear. Jesus Christ is saying exactly who he is and exactly what his job is and what he came to earth to do, that he is, in fact, the Son of God, and he, began, he came by the will of God to finish the work of God, which is the reconciliation between God and man. John chapter 5, uh, verse 17, the Bible says here, but Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Verse 19 says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he saith the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. And that can be read all the way down through chapter um, 5 and verse 47. If I wanted to do that, chapter 19 um, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 19, all the way down through verse 47. Uh, verse 20 says, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he shall show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. 
For the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son. It goes on, verse 23, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believe on me, uh, excuse me, believe on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. He shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Very plainly, right there, says exactly who he is. I am him. You're hearing my voice. I'm the Son of God. If you listen, you'll live. If I jump down to verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Therefore is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent, ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He that is burning and shining. He goes on and talks about his relationship between himself and the Father, his works or the works that his Father has chosen him to do. Verse 37, And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Talking about himself. Verse 39, Search the scriptures, for in them ye shall ye think that ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And he goes on all the way down through verse 42. He makes it very clear, verse 47, exactly who he is. Verse 46 says, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Moses wrote of Christ. Very clearly, he's using their own Old Testament laws to say, You yourself in your own writings have recorded the history of the prophets prophesying about me. I am the Son of God. I'm here to take away the sins of the world. And if you listen and, and, and obey, you'll live very clearly him, Christ, saying exactly who he is. If I jump to, that's just the first five verses, uh, excuse me, five chapters. John chapter 6, all 26, all the way through um, verse 69. We don't have time to read all of these things, but it talks about exactly who he is, the fact that he is the very begotten Son of God, uh, and that Christ is he who God dwells in, um, verse 63 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If I jump over to John chapter 7, John chapter 7, um, and then 16 through 29 gives us the story of Jesus Christ telling the whole world exactly who he is. John chapter 8 12 through 30 and 34 through 59 is Jesus Christ telling the world exactly who he is. John chapter 9, if I read 3 through 5, and the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that he might have to accuse them. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when he had continued asking them, he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. This is the story, of course, of Jesus Christ in uh, his referencing the fact that he is perfect and nobody can cast a stone with unless he did first. 
Uh, John 9, if I read verse 5, as long as, I, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Makes it very clear who exactly who he is. Uh, all the way down, chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus heard that he had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is the Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto them, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. I don't know how much more clear it can get than that. Jesus Christ making very clear exactly who he is. And then the first 21 verses of John chapter 10, which leads up to our text of John chapter 10, 22 through 20, uh, 42, of Jesus Christ being accused by these foolish people. The first 21 verses of John chapter 10 is Jesus Christ saying exactly who he is. Now I say all of that to bring us back to chapter 10, verse 22, um, verse 24, then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be Christ, tell us plainly. Here's the reality, folks. For 10 chapters, for years, Jesus Christ has already been making it very clear exactly who he is. He's not been shying away from it. He's not been hiding it. He's been telling people point blank, I am the son of God. I am who God has sent to take away the sins of the world. I am the one that the prophets talked about. Your own writings confirm through the uh, fulfillment of prophecy exactly who I am. And yet these men said, how long do you make us doubt? Just tell us who you are. You see, the issue when we as men begin to accuse Christ of things, it can only ever be foolish accusations because Christ is exactly who he... It's not about what Christ is not saying. It's about what you and I aren't hearing. This man says, well, if you're Christ, just tell us. <laughs> and Christ was saying exactly who he was. It wasn't that he wasn't saying who he was. It's that nobody was listening. Well, there were some that was listening, but the people who were chasing him, the people that were after him, were not accepting that he was, is Christ. And they were always coming up with these word games to try to trick him into things that would prove that he couldn't be the Messiah, that he couldn't be Christ. And so that's where our message, that's where this kind of thought starts, is sometimes Jesus Christ, more than anyone, had foolish accusations brought against him. But foolish accusations are often, in fact, always brought by foolish accusers. And so three things I want to look at concerning Jesus Christ saying exactly who he was. Christ declares who he is. We see that in John chapter 10, 25 through 30. Here's Christ yet again declaring exactly who he is. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed me not. And we looked at 10 chapters worth of content just now that backs up the claim that Jesus made in chapter 10, where he says, I told you who I was. The problem isn't that I'm not telling you who I am. The problem is that you're not believing who I'm telling you who I am. So he says, I told you and you believe not. The words that I do, or excuse me, the works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father who gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. That is very clear, folks. He very clearly says, I and my Father are one. Notice it's not just that he is saying who he is. He's also showing who he is. It's just that nobody really wants to know. Christ did around 40 recorded miracles in the Bible. However, John chapter 21, verse 25 lets us know that he did a whole lot more than that that just wasn't recorded. The very last verse of the book of John, let me just jump over there real quick. I can quote it, but I usually will miss a word or two when I try to quote it, so I'm just going to read it to you. The very last verse of the book of John says this. It's John chapter 20. Um, whoops. I've got my coffee sticking my pages together here. John chapter 21 and verse 25. It says, And there are many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. The world itself could not contain all the things that Jesus did. So it wasn't that Jesus wasn't saying who he was. It wasn't that he was showing actions, doing actions, living his life in such a manner that pointed to the reality of who he was. It's just that people who were asking him to prove it weren't accepting the proofs that he was offering. People that were asking him to declare it weren't accepting the words that he was saying. In 1 John chapter 4, let me jump over there. 1 John chapter 4, and I'll read 4 through 6. The Bible says here, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Ye are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so he says there's a spirit of truth in the world, and there's a spirit of error in the world. The spirit of truth very simply understands that God has said who he is, accepted who God has said he is by faith, and because of that, they hear him. They hear him, and the Bible says that the word of God works effectually in them. He says there's also a spirit of error in the world. And the spirit of error, no matter how many times Jesus says who he is, no matter how many times Jesus, by the very works of his hands, the miracles he performs, shows who he is, it will never be enough for those who don't want Jesus to be the Lord of their life. If you do not want him to be in charge, you do not want Christ to be the Lord of your life, you do not want Christianity to apply to you with respect to what it means from the Bible, but you want it to, to be subjectively defined by you. You can be a Christian as long as you can define what being a Christian means. You can um, you know, go to church as long as you get to define what going to church looks like and what church says to you. It, you we want to be in control of the entire aspect of this, and that's not what Christianity is. Jesus Christ said there's a spirit of truth in the world and there's a spirit of error. For those who reject Christ, they occupy all of their decisions from the perspective, they make all their decisions from the perspective of error. And so Christ can't say or do enough to convince them, as is evident on our text. They came and said, how long do you make us doubt? 
Just tell us. He said, I've been telling you this for years. You haven't believed me. I've showed you who I am by miracles. You haven't believed me. If I go to John chapter 17, John chapter 17, verse 11, and then I'll jump down and read verse 22. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. Very clearly says exactly who he is, and the fact that those who he loves and who love him, by extension of God's grace and God's ability, which he gave Jesus Christ, we can have a relationship with God. He says, these who you gave me, you keep them as I have kept them. We're, we are one. Jump down to verse 22. And the Bible says here, And the glory which thou givest me I have given them, and they may be one, even as we are one. And so it's not that Jesus Christ hasn't made it very clear that him and God the Father are one. He has made that very, very clear. It's just that's not what we want to hear. <clears throat> Kids are really good about this when they come to mom with something that they want to do. And mom says no. Um, so then they go to dad, reiterate, re, re, recalculate the question, change some of the perceived angles that may have led mom to say no, pitch it to dad. Dad says no. Or at the very least, what did your mom say? Or if they start with dad and it goes to mom, she says, what did your dad say? And they'll, they want what they want and they'll reiterate and re calculate and re-ask the question until finally they got some permission that they can take and then do what they were going to do anyway. That's kind of sometimes how Christians treat the Lord. We come and, or people who want to be Christian, people who want to be religious but don't necessarily want God to be the Lord of their life, don't want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life, they accept all the grace, reject all the responsibility. They want that ticket out of hell, but they don't necessarily want to have any of the things that God says are holy. They just don't want to be held accountable for being not holy. And so God very clearly says exactly who he is. He declares it. But the thing that keeps most Christians back or people from even becoming Christian is it's not that God's not saying who he is and that what he expects and what he requires. It's that we don't like what he's saying. And this is evident in churches all across the country. The word Christian has become the most watered down, almost meaningless word because so many different people who reject what the Bible says have claimed the word Christian. And to be a Christian means that I'm doing what the Bible says in accordance with what God said and how to do it, not with me. <clears throat> Why do you think, I ask people here at Wasatch Front Baptist Church, have you ever seen a counterfeit penny? And the answer is obviously no. And the reason why is because it... There's no worth in a counterfeit penny. It would cost way too much to make a counterfeit penny. If you're going to counterfeit something, counterfeit something that has some worth. And so you understand, if I want to counterfeit the divine message of God, then what am I going to do? What am I going to change? Well, one of the first things that people have attempted to change and attack over the many, many years of human existence is the Word of God, the Bible. Secondly, if I can create so much confusion around what the church is, if I can make it universal and not independent and local, if I can make it a, a thing that I can belong to but not really belong and not have to answer to anybody, then I can make this something that I can control and I can, 
I can write my own narrative for what I want being a Christian to mean. And the Bible says that is not how it works. In the same way that the religious organization of Jesus's time hated who he was. I think they probably wanted him, or not him, they wanted his words to be right. They just want, want him to be the one saying them. They believed the Messiah would come, they just didn't believe that he could be him. Because they were defining worth. They were defining value. And Jesus Christ came and he turned that definition of value on its head. He that shall be last shall be first. He that shall be first shall be last. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the, the least. Uh, if you want to be servant, servant to the uh, is the greatest form of leadership. All these things that Jesus Christ said, uh, the religious section of that time, they totally rejected those things. So number one, Christ declares who he is. Number two, Christ reiterates who he is. If I go back to my text in John chapter 10, I'll pick it up in verse 31. And Jesus answered, this is after they took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of these works do you stone me? <laughs> Pretty interesting approach. He said, why are you doing this? Um, verse 33, the Jews answered, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because thou, may, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, It is not written in your law, I said ye are gods, if ye called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of them, whom the Lord hath sacrificed and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. He says, for which of the works do you stone me? And they said, we're not doing that. It's because thou makest thyself God. And he said, your own writings said that the person who came into the world and said what I said and did what I'm doing is the Messiah. Your own law says I'm him. Oh, and that they just despised that. They hated it. They couldn't get around it. And so not only does Jesus Christ declare who he is to foolish accusers, but he reiterates who he is to foolish accusers. Even using their own law, even using their own words, they simply would not accept that he was the only begotten Son of God. They didn't want it. And they tried very, very hard to make anyone else but him, their Messiah. In fact, even to this day, they have yet to have their Messiah, the, the Jewish nation. If I look at John chapter 5, 17 through 20 gives me a picture of Jesus Christ reiterating who he is. John chapter 5, 17 through 20, the Bible says, But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said unto also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. So the Jews sought to kill him, and he said, listen, I, the Lord's going to do even more things to show you who I am. I don't have to, it's not just this, it's not going to stop here. I've said who I am, I've showed you who I am, 
I've reiterated who I am, and Jesus Christ said that God's going to do even more so that you know who I am. Why is God allowing Jesus Christ to do all this? Because I believe the Bible says we shall be without excuse. Folks, we're not going to stand before God and have any form of the rejection of Christ accepted. Just not going to happen. In John chapter 7 and verse 19, the Bible says here, Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? <laughs> Again, using their own words, he says, Didn't Moses give you the law? Why are you not keeping it? Moses gave it to you. You say Moses is is so important to you, you obey him. Well, here's part of what he said for you to do, that you're not obeying. Why are you doing that? Oh, they hated it. He said who he was. He reiterated who he was. Christ stopped saying who he was, which he never did. If he did, though, would it really have been any wonder seeing that they kept trying to kill him? Every time he said who he was, they tried to kill him. And so here we have in John chapter 10, someone says in verse 24, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be Christ, tell us plainly. And my logical human brain says, wait a minute, you've tried to get me to tell you exactly who I am for years, and I have told you exactly who I am and showed you and reiterated to you exactly who I am, and every single time I've done it, you've tried to kill me. And so how long do I make you to doubt? Well, from a human perspective, just a little bit longer, seeing that every time I tell you who I am, you're going to kill me. But that's not what Jesus Christ did, because he's not strictly a fallen human, a fallen man. So even though he knew that they were going to try to kill him, he told them exactly who he was. And this is his entire ministry. He went through his entire ministry not shying away from exactly who he was, telling who he was, reiterating who he was, showing who he was, and every time he did it, they tried to kill him, and yet he kept doing it because he loves us. He loves us. Interesting. If I jump over to Psalm, jump over to the Old Testament just for a second, Psalm and verse 80, or chapter, excuse me, chapter 82. Psalm chapter 82, and I'll read the first eight verses. Look what it says here, and that's that's the whole psalm. It says, A psalm of Asaph, God standing in the congregation of the mighty, he judgeth among the gods. Little g gods there. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. He said, I have said, ye are gods. Little g. I have told you. He said, I've told you from the very beginning. All the way back to the prophets. He quoted the prophets. I've told you who I was, and I told you what you'd do. I showed you who I was, and you tried to kill me. I reiterated who I was, and you tried to kill me. We are all his, but we are all in different positions. And here's what he's telling them. All you men, you're equal. You're totally 100% equal to each other. I am not of you. I am of God. 
I am different. And they hated that. They absolutely hated that. They reviled him for this. They tried to kill him for this. Um, It just goes on and on and on and on. This was the entire existence of Jesus Christ reiterating who he was over and over and over and over again. And even knowing that as he reiterated who he was, they'd try to kill him for it. It never stopped him. He said who he was. He showed who he was. He reiterated who he was. And yet the foolish accusations from the foolish accusers kept coming. And we know the end of the story. These foolish accusations from foolish accusers followed him all the way to the cross. And they actually got two false witnesses to witness against him just to have something to put him to death with. Because every single time he went to trial, nobody found any fault in him. If we go back to our text, the very last verse, the very, the very last point here is Christ proves who he is. So we see Christ declares who he is, then we see Christ reiterates who he is, and then we see Christ proves who he is. This is in John 10, 37 through the end of the chapter. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. He says, listen, if, I, if I'm not doing what, what you know the Father can do, then don't believe me. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. He said, listen, just look at what I'm doing. Believe in what I'm doing and you'll see who I am. Verse 39, therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized and there he abode. And many resorted unto him, And said, John did no miracles, but all things that John spake of this man were true, and they believed on him there. He said, if I do not the works, believe me not. But if I do the works, why wouldn't you believe me? You're asking me who I am? I told you who I am. You rejected that. You said, prove it. I proved it. You rejected that. You say, how long you make us doubt? Tell us plainly. I reiterated it. You rejected that. Every aspect of Jesus Christ was rejected by the people who had chosen to reject him before they ever had any information from him. If I look at John chapter 15, 24 through 25, the Bible says, If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without cause. They hated me without cause. And so you see all throughout the life of Jesus Christ, the Old Testament tells exactly who Jesus Christ would be, how he would be born, where he would live, what he would do, how he would govern himself, the miracles that he would perform. It also says that he would be rejected. And so here comes Jesus Christ doing everything the Bible said he would do, loving people in the exact way the Bible said he would love people, and he was rejected. 
He said who he was and he was rejected and made foolish accusations against by foolish accusers. He did things men couldn't do by way of miracles and he was rejected. And they made foolish accusations, foolish accusers making foolish accusations. Not only did he say and do exactly who he was, but then he reiterated it. And he said, listen, if you don't believe me in a word I say, that's fine. But look at what I'm doing and see where it comes from. Your own writings say that the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, the King of the Jews, the one that will take away the sin of the world, will do these things that I'm doing. You just read your own history and decide who I am. And they rejected that. They rejected their own history. They rejected Christ's actions. They rejected his words. They rejected the reiterated choices. that he. They rejected Christ on every single front and made foolish, full-hearted accusations against him. Every single time. And Jesus Christ, in the ultimate show of compassion and grace and love, still took that to the cross and died for us. Even though we rejected him, even though we made fun of him, we tried to kill him and ultimately did succeed for a time. By the way, let me just make this comment. Folks, we might have been the ones who crucified him, but we are not the ones who killed him. Jesus Christ gave up his life. He gave up the ghost. He laid down his life. No man took that life from him. He gave it up for the sake of us because he loved us. He came into the world to do two things, to start the New Testament church and to save the sins, or to, to save the world from the sins that they've committed, to take away the sins of the world, as the Bible says. He did both of those things perfectly, and both of those victories stand yet today and will stand forever, even though we have rejected him on every front. You say, so what's the takeaway from all this? What do we do? Well, it's very simple, and not to use an, uh, an over-emphasized uh, verse from, from the Bible, but if we jump over to Joshua chapter 24, Joshua chapter 24 lays out a very significant verse found in verse 15. The Bible says here, uh, let me get over there, Joshua 24 and verse 15. It says, choose you this day. Choose you this day. Whom ye will serve. Actually, back up a little bit. If it seem evil unto you to serve God, to serve the Lord. That's how it starts, and that's apparently where we've been. It says, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the outer side of the flood, the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose the land ye dwell. And then he says this very simple statement, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord is all capitals there, L-O-R-D, that's Jehovah, the self-existent one, that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. You say, is it really that simple? Yes, it is very much that simple. You have to choose to, by faith and through repentance, accept Christ as your Savior. There was two spirits in the world during Christ's time, as there are today, the spirit of truth, 
spirit of error. Those who approach Christ from the spirit, in other words, those who approach Christ um, willing to accept that what the doctrine of the Word of God says about Christ, those who approach Christ that way will have a relationship with God through Christ. I can go to God through Christ. I can go to Jesus Christ, repent of my sins, and by faith accept him as my Savior and have a relationship with God through God's grace that he put in his Son, Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I can be forgiven of my sins. I can choose that. Or I can have the spirit of error. The spirit of error is one in which I approach Christ from a human perspective. I approach Christ demanding that he fits his will inside the box that I've pre-prescribed for him. The Bible says that those who approach Christ this way, no matter what Christ does, no matter what Christ says, no matter how Christ reiterates what he does, it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. And ultimately, rejection on a long enough timeline of Jesus Christ leads to my own damnation, not to that of Jesus Christ. And so all throughout the Bible, you have foolish accusations being made from foolish accusers, and yet Christ loves us anyway. Something to think about today, folks. As we close, I want you to remember those words today. And when you run into challenges and situations, remember Christ died for you. Christ loves you. And you can choose to serve him. Father, as we separate and go about the work that you've called us to today, I uh, pray that you just help us to remember these things. We leave it in your hands. Ask that you'd bless us. Ask that you would give us opportunities um, to, to be witnesses for you and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, thank you so much. I'll talk to you next time. God bless. Hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you later.